Good morning, everyone. Morning, it's great to see you this morning. If you're joining us online, very, very warm welcome. If you've joined us online for the first time, a special welcome. If it's the 99th time, then uh, you're welcome too. Very good to see you this morning. We're going to come and worship God together. Um, what I'd like to do to begin with this morning is I'd like to, to read um, a passage of scripture. So uh, it's going to appear on the screen. So we're going to pop that up just now. And what I'd like to do is let's read it. It's just three verses. So what I'd like us to do is maybe read it a couple of times through. Um, so let's do that together. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Say, so Let's just read that again. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. And you know, this morning as we come to worship the Lord, you know, it talks about those ancient uh, gates, uh, those ancient doors, and your doors can be open, guys, and doors can be closed. So I want to give you an encouragement this morning to open the doors of your heart. I want to give you that encouragement to open the doors, to swing wide the doors of your heart open. Don't close the doors of your heart to the Lord this morning, but open them wide. And you know what? He, it says there, He will come in. He'll come in to your heart this morning if you open it wide to Him. I'm going to sing a, a song which is going to lead up into us taking communion this morning. And uh, a well-known uh, old hymn, words are terrific as we, as we enter into breaking of bread together. When I survey the wondrous cross.
thank you this morning that for this incredible divine, incredible, amazing love. Father, we thank you that it's a love that is deeper than any other love that we could ever experience in our lives. Father, your love is incredible. And we come this morning before you, God, to to honor who you are, to honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we just welcome you in this place. You're welcome into our homes this morning. You're welcome into our hearts this morning. You are welcome, O God. As we continue in this attitude of worship, I'm going to invite Psalms to come up. We're going to break bread together. If you're prepared for that, that's fantastic in your home. If if not, just, just open your heart and worship the Lord where you are. to read from the book of Isaiah to bring us perspective what this is all about that we are reading from Isaiah 53 hundreds of years before Christ was even born this prophet prophesied what Jesus is going to go through for our sakes so when we do this because it's a solemn um, meal we are having our mind to what Jesus went through for us because just before he was betrayed that's when the moment he is treated this and sold to die to sin through this meal as often as possible remember him so let's read these stories and we'll see what it's all about Isaiah 53 from verse 1 I'm going to read up to 7 Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet, we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, has gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet, he did not open his mouth. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He did not defend himself. He came to do this. We found him dead. We crucified him. He came to save us. Yet he nailed him to the there's good news today. If we do this, we do promise that when we do this, we will have a place with him, with his father. So do this as often, just to remember what I've done. This meal is contained in two stages. There is the bread on top, so you peel open. There is the, the communion bread. 
eat that together first, and then we'll drink the wine that is under his mercy. book of Corinthians did give an account of what happened that night. It says, the night before he was betrayed, he took the bread. He was gathered with his disciples, just like we gather today. He took the bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body. Eat it as often as you do. Remember me. Let's eat the bread together. they had the bread, he took the cup and he blessed it. Heavenly Father, we bless this cup of covenant that your blood was shed on the cross of Calvary for the remissions of our sins, for our healing, for our betterment, for our place with you in the heavenly places. As we eat, let's not eat to judgment, but eat unto life. Let's drink together. Father, we just thank you for uh, the bread and the wine which reminds us week by week of that uh, sacrifice which you made. Father, we thank you that the freedom which we enjoy today, spiritual freedom, uh, is all because of what Jesus has done for us, and we are so grateful. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Father, we look forward to even today to what you want to say to us as we read from your word. And uh, Father, we just pray, may our hearts and minds be open, may our ears be open to hear what you would say to us. And Father, we pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us into all uh, that you want to do today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. My first opportunity to say good morning. Great to see you. Good morning, church online. Okay, can't hear you. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, great to be here together um, in person, in church, and it's just such a privilege. You know, it, it makes me think about what it must be like for uh, some of our uh, Christian brothers and sisters across the world where they're not allowed to meet like this. Imagine what that's like. And uh, I, think, I think we should maybe change the term. I heard something this week that I found quite challenging. We should maybe change the term socially distanced to physically distanced because we need to be two meters apart but we don't need to be socially distanced. I thought that was quite interesting. Um, we can still connect together socially. I'm going to talk a wee bit in what I'm saying today about fellowship, and we'll come to that in a minute. And just some announcements that I need to make today. Um, the Answer AGM will be at 2 p.m. tomorrow, uh, so looking forward to that. And uh, this Wednesday, um, I'm going to ask that we do something and for those who are joining online as well, that's something that we can all do. We can do that whether we're physically distanced or not. I'm going to ask, and we chatted about this um, just, uh, just over a week ago in senior leadership team, that we spend a day praying and fasting for those who are sick in the church. Now, it's good to report uh, that Ronnie is back out and home, um, but Heather has been moved uh, to another hospital and she's undergoing uh, chemotherapy, and we need to keep praying for her. But there are others in the life of the church who we need to be praying for. And we just felt that we need to do something tangible to actually pray for the people uh, who are sick in the church. 
And, and so on Wednesday nights, we meet on Zoom to pray. If you've not done that, it's something that you can do if you've got the tech to do it. If you're not sure how to do it, we'll help try and help you uh, and show you how to do that. But we meet on a Wednesday night to pray, and we've been praying for those who are sick. But I really want us to make a concerted effort to pray for the sick in the church. So we're going to fast. Um, if you're able to fast, let me just clarify that. Uh, some people... Um, should really avoid fasting for medical reasons, so uh, please be aware of that. Um, if you have any kind of physical vulnerability, I'm not expecting you to be participating in that. Um, but if you're fit and healthy, then there's nothing wrong with uh, going without some food for a wee while. Um, and so my plan is to fast from the, the, the Tuesday night at six o'clock uh, through to after we're finished our prayer meeting on the Wednesday. That is my plan. You uh, can choose what you want to do whether you fast in, in entirety, um, please remember to keep drinking because uh, we need to be keeping ourselves hydrated. Um, but that's our plan for this week, for this coming Wednesday, uh, and to really gather together and, uh, and pray for the sick. If you're not able to join on Zoom, we can still pray. We don't need to be together to do that. We can do that even at a distance in our own homes, and we can all be part of that. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, this week. Um, the other thing that I was going to just mention quickly, 21st and 22nd of September is the September weekend, the Monday, Tuesday. I'll be taking a couple of days off. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention was that we are looking at doing membership classes to bring people into membership, um, physically distanced, but we can still do these things. So we have all the technology to, uh, to run the classes and do all that, whether... Uh, online or whatever, and um, we can do that. So we are looking to do that. If you're not a member, um, we would love you to become a member if this church is your home. And just something positive, which Ann Fisher sent to me this morning. Uh, a lovely wedding took place yesterday in Tondo. I uh, don't know if you remember Christine, who was with us, um, maybe a couple of years ago. Uh, was it? I think it's 2018 they were here, or maybe 2017. I can't quite remember. Uh, Christine, one of the young people. Um, has uh, been married, and the service took place in uh, Tondo to show their commitment to, to the work that they're doing there. I just think that's incredible. When you see the pictures of what they're living in and working in, and they chose to get married there, I just think that is uh, incredible. speaks volumes. Um, and the, 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 the thing that Anne wrote was beauty for ashes with a clap in hands. I'm like, I just think that's fantastic. It just shows somebody's commitment to doing the right thing. Before we go on to uh, today's message, I want us to pray again together. Uh, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, so if you can maybe flick that up, Sophie. We're going to pray this together. Um, I've been praying this more and more and more. Uh, just no, if, if it's not in its entirety, even parts of it, even during the day, um, as, I, as, I think about, um, as I think about God and what he's doing and what he wants to do in our lives, it's all summed up in this prayer. So let's just take a minute. You can join online as well. And we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And what an incredible prayer. It's just phenomenal. It's so powerful. And when we take that prayer and we break it down and we apply it uh, to ourselves on an ongoing basis, it's just powerful. It speaks to me so often. Today's message is entitled hitting the reset button, and I'll explain what that means in just a little minute, but I'm going to read from the scriptures first. We're going to go into Acts chapter 8, and then Acts chapter 11, and then Acts chapter 13. I'm not going to read all of those passages, just an excerpt from those chapters. So Acts chapter 8, we're going to read um, the first eight verses. If you want to look it up in your Bible, if you have a paper copy, if you have an electronic copy, whatever, um, um, the scriptures won't be coming up on screen uh, today, but you can read along. 
And Acts chapter 8 says the title in my Bible is the church is persecuted and scattered. Whoa, there's an exciting message, eh? Church persecuted and scattered. See, just while it comes back to my memory, remember that you guys have got face masks on and I can't see your lovely smiles. So remember to make your eyes smile. And uh, for those who are online, uh, just write down comments that encourage us. That would be really cool as well. And we'll see those comments. So Acts chapter 8, it says, on that, uh, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Then Acts chapter 11 it says in my Bible, the church in Antioch is formed. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak uh, to, the gent to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And then we go to Acts chapter 13, and the first three verses there, and it says that Barnabas and Saul are sent off. This is the moment where Acts uh, uh, shows us a picture of this missional church in Antioch, a church which is mission central, ascending church. Listen to what it says. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul who had been persecuting the church is now Saul who's leading the church, who's taken the charge. A transformation has happened and I just think it's incredible. It makes me re remember that everything is possible with God. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And today's message is really based on what we read here. It's called hitting the reset button. And it really sprung from a fundamental question. And I'll tell you what that question is in just a little minute. You know, for those who are struggling with electronics, electronic equipment, who's ever had a problem with electronic equipment? All the hands are going up. What do you do? You switch it off at the wall, you leave it for 20 seconds, you plug it back in again, and hey presto, it works. It happens so many times. It happens with TVs, phones, not all the time. Fair, fair point, not all the time. Computers, tablets, the list goes on. But just that act of pulling the plug and putting it back in again can fix so many problems. And I don't know about you, it's a mystery. I don't know, I, I, I was actually dreaming about Mitsubishi last night. I was dreaming about the company I used to work for, probably because of some of the things I was going to share today. But I was dreaming about it last, last night. And, you know, it, I, I remember times where it wasn't just about hitting the reset button, but somebody would say, um, I kind of get this to work, and I've, I've been looking at it, I don't know what the problem is. And somebody will come along and say, well, did you switch it on? <laughs> and lo and behold, the plug isn't in or it's not on at the switch. And it's amazing how simple things can, can uh, confuse us. We, we have a, a, a coffee machine in the house, and for months and months and months, there's been this red light in the coffee machine. And I did not know what it meant. I did not know how to fix it. And so one day... A couple of weeks ago, I decided to go on Google, and I Googled it. And lo and behold, it says you need to press and hold, right? There's various things you need to do. You need to put this wee thing in, fill it up so that there's enough water in it, but press and hold the button, and it'll begin this cycle that descales the coffee machine. And I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me that months and months and months ago? I didn't have a manual, because everything's online these days, isn't it? Everything's digital. And there's, I think there are times in our own lives where we need to hit the reset button. There are times where we just need to do something that resets us. 
And today my intention is to press the reset button with this message. Sometimes you have moments where you're just stopped in your tracks when the reset button of your heart and mind is pressed. And I had one of those moments this week. And uh, I, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's one of Kerry Newhoff's podcasts. If you're into leadership stuff, th- this is a fantastic podcast to listen to. And I haven't, uh, till this point in time, I've, sn- I've not finished listening to this podcast yet. I've still not finished it because I was so arrested by what I heard that I couldn't continue uh, in the message. And it was, uh, <coughs> Kerry Newhoff was interviewing Danielle Strickland. And this is what she said that arrested me. Do we actually follow Jesus? Or did we just decide to do that 20 years ago? Did we actually follow Jesus? Or did we just decide to do that 20 years ago? And now we're just kind of working our lives out around this one belief system. Or today, am I actually following Jesus? And how would we know the difference? I listened to that. And I just, she, she, the podcast kept going, and I had stopped thinking about the podcast, and I had to actually stop it and listen to what God was saying in my heart, because the question challenged me, do we actually follow Jesus? Are we actually following Jesus? It suggests movement, doesn't it? It suggests that we're going somewhere. It suggests that something is happening if we're going to be following Jesus. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What did it look like for the first century Christians? Well, it looked like persecution, apart from anything else. It looked like moving out of Jerusalem to avoid being thrown into prison. It looked like taking that message, that good news, and sharing it with the people that were around them and the places that they moved to. What does it look like for a 21st century Christian? And these days, with things like COVID-19, what does it look like? for a 21st century Christian. What do we do to follow Jesus? What do we do to exercise our spiritual muscles? I could ask today, what is Jesus doing in your life at the moment? Sorry, I'm behind in my slides. What is Jesus doing in your life at the moment? There's a question, what's he doing? Are you aware of Jesus doing anything in your life at the moment? Or is it business as usual? I started off this year by saying it wasn't going to be business as usual. Wish I hadn't said that. But if our lives are just becoming business as usual, then maybe maybe we just need to take a wee reality check. Maybe we need to hit the reset button of our lives. And I was asking myself these questions. What are you doing with the deposit or the gift that God has given you? What are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with the gift of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, God himself lives within you. If you're a Christian today, you've invited the Holy Spirit in. The Holy Spirit is the seal that guarantees guarantees our inheritance. What are you doing with that deposit that's within you? The thing that God has invested in you, your gifting. What are you doing with the gift that God has put in you? Are you being faithful in the small things? Are you being faithful in in your relationships? And they're all questions that I think are linked to the first and primary question. Do we actually follow Jesus? Or did we just decide to do that 20 years ago? It's a challenging, challenging question, especially as we get older as Christians and we've been on the road a lot longer it's a challenging question because we can begin to settle down into routines and patterns and actually not notice that we have stopped following Jesus. So easy. Listen to the first century church. This is what it says. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. Every day they met together. Wow. We meet once a week. And even that can be a challenge sometimes. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They did communion all the time. They broke bread together all the time. It also says that they met in big church, they met in the temple courts, but they met together in each other's homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Daily. This is a picture of a growing church, a church that has favor, a church that's on the move. And then hitting the reset button. This is what it says. Sorry, I've moved on my slides too quickly. We'll go back. It's because I've moved my notes a different way today. I don't normally put them that way. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I get excited when I read the Acts 2 church. I get excited when I read that. I sometimes get disappointed when the church today doesn't look like that. Sometimes things happen inside of me. I'm like, Lord, I want to see that kind of church here. I want to see that kind of dynamic church here. I want to see that in my generation. I want to see that in my time. I want to see a church that is spilling out and being all that God causes it to be, even despite persecution. As we read from Acts, remember the previous sentence in this passage is about a godly, spirit-filled man called Stephen who has nailed his colors to the mast he began to tell these people their history and what they had done as a people and how they had rejected the Messiah. And what was the result? The result was that they stoned him. The result was that they took his life. And Paul, who we read about, was standing there holding the jackets. I don't know about you, but when I think about the transformation in Saul, it's incredible. But it says that on that day, persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. The church was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. I think sometimes I look at it today and I think the church is scattered, not because of persecution, but because of the circumstances that we're living in these days. The church is scattered. But this scattering of the church was a strategic move. It was how the church at Antioch was born. And Antioch Antioch was a Roman town. It was a really significant and important Roman town. It was second only to Rome and Alexandria. Rome, the capital, Alexandria, and then Antioch, this strategic town, which later would become the capital of that area. And in this area, a church is established that becomes a strategic missional church, a missional force, a sending church. And it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in this church. And it made me think, it made me think about that question. Am I really following Jesus today? Am I really outworking the call of God in my life? Like those early believers in that early church, we are not called to comfort, but to a cause the cause of Christ. We're not called to comfort, but to a cause, the cause of Christ. Our natural tendency is to look for comfort, to be comfortable. Yesterday, I kind of broke my record in cycling. I did 35 miles yesterday, which is not maybe a big deal for some people, but it is for me. That wasn't comfortable. And there are certain parts of my anatomy today that are not comfortable. <laughs> I'll leave that to your imagination. But we're not called as Christians to comfort. We're called to exercise our spiritual muscles. We're called to something bigger. What was it Jesus said? Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptize, teach. Greater things shall you do, Jesus said, than I've done. But it's unlikely to happen unless we're exercising our spiritual muscles, settling, settling rather for comfort. One of the ways that we exercise our spiritual muscles is through prayer. That is one of the ways that we exercise our spiritual muscles. But I, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about some of the things that maybe God has has said to me over the years. In this passage, we see something significant. The passage that we read, we see, we see something significant happen. Now, I've, I've entitled this little part of my message, Calling versus Conditions. Calling versus Conditions. In the passage, it says, 
set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Set apart Saul and Barnabas, set apart. Who remembers the sheepdog trials? Do you remember? Does anybody remember the sheepdog trials? I, I used to love watching the sheepdog trials. And, you know, it'd be, and it's 10 out of 10 for the pen. You know, do you remember that? Am I, am I? Yeah, okay, just checking. <laughs> and one of the tasks during that was to separate a couple of the sheep out from the flock. And that's what that made me think about. It's like, here are these two guys. You need to set them aside. I'm calling them. God is saying, I'm calling them. It's the, something that God is doing, that's setting Saul and Barnabas aside and getting them ready for the mission. And like Paul, like Saul and Barnabas, your call, whatever God is calling you to, is your invitation from God. It's that which God is separating you out from other Christians to do, something peculiar to you, something that's specific for you to do. And that can be a broad spectrum of areas. Frederick Buchner said this, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Wow. The place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that is that thing that gives you gladness as you serve God day by day? What is it? What is the thing that lights your fire? I feel a song coming on. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> what is that thing that you go, this is why I'm on the planet. This is what God has called me to. And when you take what God is calling you to and you match it to what's happening somewhere in the world, there comes your calling as a Christian, that place where God is going to use you. He goes on to say that the English word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, to call. The word vocation is from the Latin word which means to call. The work a person is called to by God. What have you been called to by God? And I've been talking about this um, lately with other people. I'm going to share a few thoughts. This is why I was thinking about Mitsubishi. This is why I was dreaming about Mitsubishi. Oh, my goodness. I was having nightmares last night. It was just like going round and round my head. Ah, see what preparing sermons does for you. But I clearly remember defining moments and spiritual formation as I grew um, out through the older edge end of my teens. And the cross and the switchblade by David Wilkerson had a huge impact on my life and my thinking. And it made me look around at the world, at the place where there is need, and the place where there was a passion in my heart to do something about that need. Young people who need to hear about Jesus, and I have a desire to tell them about Jesus, and the two things come together. And in that, I begin to find a sense of calling, a sense of purpose. That's why in our early days in the church, we worked alongside the young people. That's why in our early days in the church, we used to take the big blue bus out in the Bathgate with Teen Challenge and even here in Whitburn, and some of our young people um, got involved in that. That was the defining moments in the early days where God started to begin to stir me up and to give that, that sense of calling. Then there were the missionaries in our backyard, Socky Hall Street to be precise. Missionaries from a ship called the Anastasis, and we got invited onto that ship. We stopped to pray for these guys, and we got chatting with them, and they invited us onto the ship on the Sunday, and God spoke to me on that ship on the Sunday. And I thought, I want to be a missionary. I want to get involved in God's plan for this world. God was doing something. That great sense of being called by God, my vocation. I didn't think that was going to turn out to be Mitsubishi electric, but it turned out to be Mitsubishi electric. And we were just chatting, we were reflecting about this just lately, how the, the potential was to work with the BBC, me, um, as a technician, and moved into London and get trained and do all that kind of stuff. 
But I'd been praying to God, you know, there's that verse in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, which says, uh, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I've missed a bit, I think, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember that being a mantra for my life as a young person. I'm like, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, that's what I want. And I remember praying about this job situation and I'm praying really, really simply, Lord, that the job that you give me, the first job that I'm offered, that's the one I'll take. And it just so happened to be Mitsubishi. And we're like, yes, we're both working in Livingston. Fantastic. We'll get to see each other. And then they send me out to Japan for the best part of a year. And I remember when I was in Japan, chatting with the missionaries in Japan, saying, I wish I could do what you were doing. I was missing the call of God in my life. And they soon put me in my place because they said, you have the opportunity to speak to people and your work that we will never see. And I thought, wow, that's challenging. Then I realized, actually, I'm on the mission field. I'm exercising the call of God in my life. I'm in what God has set for me as my vocation at this point in time. And that really excited me. And then definitive circumstances which was being made redundant from Mitsubishi, but also a really clear process of God speaking through my devotions led me out of that into an organization called Crusaders where I grafted for five years, and I mean grafted. If you want to know what that means, ask Mary and she'll tell you. It was hard, hard work, long hours, weekends, and all sorts of things, and I had to take a step back from the church at that point in time because there was just so much going on. Not entirely happy about taking a step back from the church at that point in time, but I tried to bring church and crusaders and family all together and it's like, let's all get involved in this thing together. And then there was this ongoing call of God in my life um, when Andrew approached me and said, do you want to come and be the assistant pastor in the church here? And I'm like, Sorry. I was looking around for maybe he was talking to somebody else. And I remember on the 22nd of May, 2004, I listened to a message by a man called Paul Weaver, who was then leading Assemblies of God in the UK. And at 39 minutes into his message, he brought the word of God into my soul, into my spirit. And before he had started giving the appeal, I was up out of my seat, walking down to the front of that congregation in that big top in the north of Wales because I was like, wow, God has just answered my objection to me getting into this. You know, you kind of think, this is where I'm going, but it's like I've got this little thing that I need an answer to, <laughs> and God answered it. And today, today I still endeavor to outwork the call of God on my life. We're called to a purpose. You're called to a purpose. I might be standing here, but there are places where you go that I will never get to go. There are people that you meet that I will never get the chance to meet. There are people in your network that I will never have the chance to be an influence over. You do. And God has called each one of us to a purpose, to a place, to a time, to specific tasks. And that changes. I'm not saying that it's just we get called to one thing and it always stays that way. We're on a journey with God. And the question I was asking is, are we still following Jesus? The reality is that he's on the move all the time, and we need to be on the move following him to where he asks us to go. The problem is, when it comes to calling, that we can become conditioned by our conditions. You see, it's all good and well to talk about the call of God, but we live in a real world and our calling in this real world is tested and tried. I remember my induction service. Some of you were here, and my dad was speaking. It was 15 uh, minutes worth of message. I'm not going to manage 15 minutes today. I'm already over that time. And I'll never forget what he said. I had to persuade him, actually, to come and speak at my induction service. Because at first he said, no. I'm like, he said, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm no good enough to do that. I was like, Dad, <laughs> give me a break, you know. And he eventually relented, and he came and he shared this message. And what he shared was three different ways in which I would be tested. I'd be tested for my feet, my walk with God, my faith, and my fatherhood. 
These three things that I have come to realize are so important as you lead a church. Your own standing, your own faith, and your own fatherhood over the church that God has placed you in. I've realized that it is true. Our faith, our calling is tested time after time after time. For the first century Christians, it was persecution. And the effect that it had is maybe not what we would expect. Because rather than the church began to shrink, the church began to grow. We hear the call of God in our lives, but it's all too easy to become conditioned by our conditions and miss it. And rather than our vocation being our calling, it can become our cash cow. If I was here doing what I do simply to get a paycheck at the end of the week, I'd be as well going and doing something else. If that's my motivation for doing what I was doing, I'd be as well going and doing something else. I find it incredible the way that God provides. But if our calling has become the goose that lays the golden egg, then we've missed something. If we settle for comfort, and it's such a great temptation for us all, You see, none of us really like the idea of getting out of the boat, do we? Especially when it's stormy. We don't like getting out of the boat. And there's this little, I'll I'll, I'll just put up this slide. uh, And for those of you who are into movies and into animations, it's from a film called Up. And it is a masterful four minutes worth of movie. And it's an animation. There's no dialogue simply music and the animation telling the story of a couple who meet and fall in love and they have their dreams and all the things that they're going to do and yet life kicks in. The reality of life kicks in. You see, they have these dreams to go on an adventure. They have these dreams to go to Paradise Falls and to live there and be in this big adventure. And every time Every time I watch this section of the movie, I get emotional because they start off with the dreams and how it ends is with Carol's wife, Ellie, passing away. That's how it ends. And I just get so filled with emotion and I think about how life has the ability to condition us, has the ability to knock the dream out of us. And there's this incredible moment in the film, spoiler alert coming, if you've not seen it, right? There's this incredible moment in the film later on where Carol finds Ellie's adventure book and he opens it and he starts to flick through some of the pages which she filled in as a wee girl, all these dreams that she had. And then it comes to this bit where he thinks it's finished and he's about to close the book when a page slides and he realizes there's something on the next page after all the things I'm going to do. And he realizes it's pictures of their life together, their relationship together, and the things which they did. And at the end, at the end, it says, thank you for the adventure. Now go and have a new one. It's an animation. (laughs) It's a cartoon. And I'm getting emotional just talking about it. Why? Because it's absolutely masterful. If you've never watched it, you should watch it. And it said to me that we can be conditioned by our conditions. Life can knock the stuffings out of us. Life can take us away from the thing that God called us to in the beginning. And I've been thinking about that over the last few months during lockdown. What is it? that gets me up out of bed in the morning? What is that passion? What is the thing that God is doing in me that meets a world in need? What is the thing? What is that thing? You see, the problem with life (laughs) is that it happens to us subtly, slowly, causing us to settle and drift from our dreams and even maybe to stop following God's plan for our lives. 
You see, the reality is that life will continue to throw us curveballs. And there are times, and I'm addressing church online here as well, there are times where we don't have the strength to bat that curveball back. There are times where we need others to stand alongside us and help us to pick up that bat and to swing it, to knock that curveball back. That's what Wednesday's about. That's what fasting and praying is about. For those who don't have the strength or the energy to pick up the bat and to knock that curveball back. You see, that's what fellowship is about. We're not socially distanced at all. There might be physically distanced. And I'm glad that we can be here in church to enjoy fellowship, which is intimate partnership with God and each other. In our case, praying in and working out the kingdom of God in our lives and in this place. It means hard work. It sometimes means hard times. It also means hard knocks as God shapes us into the living stones that he's forming us to be. We thought about living stones last week and how we're trying to find our place in this thing called the, the house of God, the temple, the building of God. You see, is it fellowship or fluff? <laughs> is that why we gather? Are we here for the social stuff? You see, fluff by contrast to fellowship. If fellowship is intimate partnership and getting our sleeves rolled up and working together, fluff is superficial entertainment. Fluff is superficial entertainment. And I say this to church online as well. If our Christianity has become about superficial entertainment, then we have stopped following Jesus. If it's all about somebody coming alongside us and saying, there, 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 and we sometimes need that, by the way, then maybe we've stopped following Jesus. I talked about some things as part of my life, as part of the call of God in my life. I don't want to give my life for something that is superficial entertainment. That's, life is far too short, says he, now in his 50s. Life is far too short to give yourself to superficial entertainment. I gave my life to Jesus more than 20 years ago, by the way. I've lost count. I was six years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I made some mistakes and messed up as I was on the road. But thankfully, Jesus was patient with me and got me back onto the road and set me facing the right direction. And God started doing things in my life like he's probably done in your life as well that stir up that passion within you that, that you go, I want to give my life for something that really matters. You see, we gather not just for fellowship, but we gather to worship the king of the kingdom that we're talking about. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my small group, in my area of ministry, in this church, in my community, amongst my neighbors, in my world, with the leaders that govern our nation, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we pray that, we're praying to the king of the kingdom. When we come to worship God, and I regret that we're not allowed to sing just now, but when we come, it's all about the king of the kingdom and his name being lifted up. That's why we're here. I don't want to give my life to superficial entertainment. Life is too short for that. I want to come and worship the king. I want to see his kingdom established here on earth. And the question I would ask is, is our church mission headquarters? Is our church mission HQ? Like the church in Antioch, they said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas. I'm going to send them off on a mission to do something spectacular for me. And they did. What is our church all about? I think God wants to do something in this church that makes it Mission HQ, not only for the community in which we live and the surrounding communities, or even for this nation of ours, which I love, Bonnie, Scotland, 
And I think God wants to do something in our nation. He's spoken about it, and we need to pray it in. But God wants to do something in our world. We shared last week during Celebration Sunday about the things that we are trying to invest finance and time into across our world where we can play our part not only in our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. God has a plan for this church, and God wants to do some sending. And I'm so pleased that Anne Fisher, who's going to be watching online today, hopefully all the tech's working for you, Anne, that Anne is our mission rep. She was at a meeting yesterday with Assemblies of God online, talking about our role as a mission church, a mission church. And as I was reading Tom Wright's book, God and the Pandemic, a Christian reflection on coronavirus and its aftermath, this is what he said. First, church buildings are not escape from the world, but a bridgehead into the world. Sorry, wrong slide. There you go. I get too excited and I lose my place. I need somebody else to monitor slides for me. First, church buildings are not an escape from the world, but a bridgehead into the world. This is Mission Command. This is Mission HQ. And I think about the things which go on in this building normally, week by week, month by month, year by year. Like I said, I'm looking forward to what the, to, to the, the AGM report on this year is going to look like. It's going to be a bit strange. But I think about what normally goes on in this church. God is doing things in this church and he wants to keep doing things and he wants to do some new things in this church. Are you following Jesus today, now, in this moment? Where is he leading you day by day, week by week, and month by month? And how do you know you're hearing God and following his voice? Are you seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? What is your deep gladness today? I know that God's speaking to some people today. <laughs> and where does your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet? Has your calling been swallowed up by the conditions you face? And has your thirst for adventure been satisfied by the circumstances of life where you maybe find yourself now? Or has it been knocked out of you by the gut punches that life throws our way? Maybe today, maybe today there are some of us that just need to hit the reset button, the reset button of our spiritual life. And maybe there are some people today and you've never ever made a decision to become a Christian. You've never even hit the reset button of life in general, never mind Christian life. This is a day to press the reset button. And we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to come in and I've already been praying and asking God about this moment, not just this moment, but this time together. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to come and meet with us. Because I, I, I think God wants to speak to some people today. I think God wants to do some things in people's lives. I'm going to put up one, one more slide. Uh, hopefully it'll come up. Fear says, what if? But faith also says, what if? And then lastly, <laughs> a song that we used to sing in this church. And I remember singing this song with all my heart. I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. I want to serve the purpose of God while I am alive. I want to give my life for something that will last forever. Oh, I delight, I delight to do your will. I want to give my life for something that's going to make a difference. I think we all do, really, in our hearts, heart of hearts. That might be making a difference in your family, your workplace, your neighborhood, your town, your church, the ministry that God has got you involved in. It doesn't matter what it is. It's so wide-ranging. Can I encourage this church today to hear the voice of God for us and, and what God wants to say to us and how he wants to lead us. Let's just pray as we finish off today. Father, we just thank you for 
the way that you love to speak to us. And Father, I really believe that there are times where you are more willing to speak than we are to listen, to take time to listen to you. And Father, I just pray today that we would maybe hit the reset button of our lives. Father, that this would be the day where we say, actually, something needs to change in my life. I need to hear your voice afresh. I need you to refresh that sense of call on my life, the thing which you've been speaking to me about. And Father, I just give myself to you today. I give myself into your hands for your purposes. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life today. And that word maybe applies to those who are watching online today as well. And Father, we just pray for everyone who's either in the building here today or tuned into this service. Father, we want to hear what you want to say to us. Father, we want to hear the crystal clear call of your voice in our lives saying, this is what I want you to do today, this week, this month, this year. This is what I want you to focus on. And this is where I want you to serve me. This is where I want you to pray in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter whether that's in business life, in education, in finance, in media, in government. There are all sorts of different places where God can place us and use us. And Father, we just want to hear your voice and be where you call us to be and give ourselves to this mission Father, that regardless of what happens in the world, regardless of the circumstances that we face, we will continue to hear your call and, and, and press into you to know how to work out that call in our lives. And so, Father, we give ourselves to that afresh today. Yeah, Father, we give ourselves to that today. And maybe, maybe there are some today um, you've never made a decision to invite Jesus into your life. Today is the day where you can hit the reset button of life and ask God to come into your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And I'm going to pray a prayer and you can repeat this after me. If you're on church online today, you can let us know by going to www.whitburnpentecostal.com and just dropping us a message there letting us know and we'd like to, to try and get in touch with you in relation to that but let's pray just one last prayer as we just draw our things to a close today dear God I need to hit the reset button of my life things have not been going according to your plan and I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you come in. And I commit my life to you today. Help me to live in your ways. Give me the strength. And may your Holy Spirit come in and live in my life. Help me to know my purpose. In Jesus' name. Thank you, church. Um, it's great to be together again today. I realize I had not taken my photographs. I will need to do that in just a little second. But um, thank you for coming. And can I encourage you to keep praying, to keep pressing into the things which God has for you, and uh, to really listen for the call of God in your life. Uh, I don't know, are we still online and live, Lindsay? For those who are joining us online, if you do that as well, let us know. Let's keep discussing these things, having conversations and let's encourage one another because uh, we really have a mission in this world. So thank you and the Lord bless you. I do need to take my photograph.